We're in a sermon series right now uh, in which we're attempting to figure out how God has designed us for primarily two major reasons. First of all, to be able to then determine what would be a good vocational uh, selection for us, for the students who are here to try to figure out what ought to be their major, what ought to be their life orientation in terms of a career, for those of you who are employed, to figure out if, if you're in the best place. And for those who are retired, to determine how best to use their time and their energy. So the first reason why we're looking at our design is to figure out what would be an appropriate area in terms of our vocation. The other part of that is to figure out what would be the appropriate position we would play on God's dream team, which is the church, our area of service. So with all of that in mind, I want you to notice this verse from the Bible, Psalm 139. Every believer can say and praise the God that which uh, David says here in this particular psalm. Notice, God, you created every part of me. So you're not junk. You didn't evolve out of, by chance, over millions and millions of years from pond scum. God created you, and because he created you, that means you have value and significance and worth. So you can say that, every believer can. God, you created every part of me. You can also say, God, you put me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. It's amazing to think about. Your workmanship is marvelous. So God has created you for a purpose. And he not only formed you physically, but every other area of your life, so that you are a unique combination of all kinds of factors. And what we're learning in this series then is this, that our primary area of service, both in the world in terms of our vocational choice and in the church in terms of our, our service, is determined by our design. Now, you notice on this slide that design has some dots after it, periods. That's because it's an acronym. What does it stand for? Well, to be able to determine what ought to be a good vocational choice, what ought to be our area of service, we need to look at these five areas, our desires, our passions, our interests, the things that we enjoy doing that we really love, our life experiences, we've talked about a number of experiences, including painful experiences that have shaped us. We pay attention to our skills. That was the topic last week. Today we're talking about individuality, and then comes the whole matter of spiritual gifts. You figure out those five areas, and then you know your end, your niche, okay? So today, we're gonna to be talking about this fourth of the five areas, how God has custom designed your unique individuality in order to benefit other people. And so uh, I want us to look today then at the three questions that you have on your, your sermon notes, your outline, the first of which is this. What in the world do we mean when we talk about our individuality? Well, other words for it would be your temperament or your personality. Now, personality really depends on th uh, three things. It's, it's involved with the way that you think, the way that you feel, and the way that you act. 
Part of your personality comes from genetic factors. Some of it is the result of your environment, and some of it is even learned. But you are a complex combination of many different traits. In fact, scientists have uh, identified something like 18,000 different uh, character traits that you and I have. So you are a combination of all of those things. Now, your personality influences every single area of your life, every decision that you make, uh, how you deal with change or don't deal with change. I've been indicating to you on a number of occasions, we are in the midst as a church of significant change. Some of you are saying, right on, bring it on, this is great stuff. Change to try to strengthen the church, sure, why not? Others of you, you just love routine, and so this is probably a bit of a challenge for you. That's a result of your personality differences. Um, how you uh, solve problems. What makes you happy, what makes you sad, what makes you cry, what makes you laugh? Now to illustrate this, I uh, want you to uh, be engaged in a little uh, activity right now. So I, I want you to get very comfortable. So if you're holding anything, maybe put it on your lap or put it uh, on the side of you right now. And Now don't go to sleep on me, okay? I know we're all tired from the time change, but uh, so this is what I want you to do. I want you to cross your arms. Everybody cross your arms. All right, now look down and notice what arm is on the top and what arm is underneath, okay? Now I want you to switch. Put the other, the bottom arm on the top. Does that feel weird? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Why? Well, because you have a preferred way to cross your arms. Well, that's exactly the way it is with our personalities. You can uncross your arms now if you like to, yeah. There are, there are ways that you prefer to deal with life because of your, your temperament or personality, and that influences every single area. It influences your work. Some of you at work just enjoy variety. You love it when your boss comes in and says, here, I want you to do these five or six things, you know, and all oh, right, that's great for you. Others, no. You want one thing at a time, just point you in the direction of your cubicles, sit down before your computer screen and everything is great. So we have these kinds of differences. Um, some of you love to share your detail with your team at work. Uh, everything worked out for discussion, but it's all laid out, that's me. I just prefer to get all the documents out there. Or others of you know maybe you'll present a basic outline or you'll start with a clean uh, sheet of paper. Um, we have all of these differences in terms of our work. But did you know that your personality also influences how you like to relate to God? Yeah, that's true. Some people like to relate to God in a quiet, reflective, contemplative, meditative sort of way. Others like it loud and big and aggressive. Some of you love traditional hymns, played on an organ. Others of us like it to rock out, you know, and we want it very uh, big and strong and contemporary. As long as the lyrics are focused on Christ and, and are biblical, 
It's just a matter of preference. It's not one is right and the other is wrong. We just have these differences in terms of our personalities. Personality also influences what ought to be your primary area of service in the church. I mean, let's just say that you enjoy organizing things. You just love detail. Well, then you ought to be in a service area that maximizes those kinds of strengths. Depending on your gifts, maybe you want to count offerings or do room setups or provide technical support back in, in, uh, with the team there in the booth. Maybe you uh, enjoy coming into a, a, a team, a, a meeting, in order to help it get organized. On the other hand, other people enjoy uh, the people part, you know, connecting with other people. And so maybe you want to be visiting homebound people or being a greeter in the church, those kinds of ministries. So your personality affects your work, how you relate to God, even your service in the church. It also impacts how you relate to people. So we have this verse in 1 Corinthians 12. God works through different people in different ways. He sure does. Why? Well, God loves variety. And so that's why we think differently, feel differently, and respond to life very differently. Now, there are all kinds of different ways of classifying personality. Uh, scientists, psychologists have been trying to do this sort of thing for years. Some make use of animal names. You know, they determine, you know, if you're a beaver, an otter, a retriever, or a lion, they'll use those kinds of labels to explain how these animal traits reflect different personalities. You may be familiar with Myers-Briggs, some of you with the uh, Taylor Johnson temperament analysis, or there is also Enneagram, which describes nine personality types. Well, just imagine if you could find both a job and an area of service that actually required somebody with your personality type, wouldn't that be incredible? I mean, you would experience all kinds of joy, you would be effective, and nobody would have to motivate you to get out of bed on a Monday morning and go to work, you know, because you'd be doing exactly what you love to do. So to help you to better understand your preferred style, I wanna ask you, um, a couple of questions. Here's one. How are you energized? You know, there's some things that give us energy and there are other things that kind of take it away. Some of us, like the Apostle Peter, just love to be around people and we're filled with a lot of energy, you know? Others of us are more like the Apostle Paul. We're analytical. We like structure, we're task focused. So the question is, which is true for you? Well, let me give you some examples here and I want you to know these are made up. So I'm not thinking of anybody and if you think I am, you're wrong, all right? So let's think about Mike. Mike attends meetings in the church. Uh, he's on different teams, uh, boards and that sort of thing. And every time he shows up early, you know why? because Mike likes to meet all the other people who show up early. He wants to know, hey, how's, how's life, you know? How is your week going? How about the kids, the grandkids? What's going on at work? Just loves to interact with people. When they finally sit down to work through the agenda, eh, not so much. Now, um, Susan, on the other hand, volunteers to work in our, our office several days a week. She comes in and does data entry. 
Well, she's so focused on the task. Other staff are around, but she's not so much interacting with them until perhaps the job gets done, okay? Now, can Mike do things the way Susan does? Sure, and vice versa. Susan can do the way, same things, you know, that, that Mike does. The question is, what gives you energy and what takes it away? So God has created some of you with an orientation to people as your source of energy. Others, it's task-focused. It's not that the people that are task-focused don't like people, of course they do. And it's not that those that are getting their energy from people don't like tasks. Well, of course they do. It has to do with this question, where do you go as your primary energy source? So this is what I want you to do right now. If you have your sermon notes that look like this, if you got them as you came in today, um, you notice uh, on the one side there's task, the other side there's people, and there's an X in between. Imagine there's a line that goes across there, okay, that connects those. Where would you be on that line? Now I put mine um, to the left of center on the side of task. Valerie would be more in the middle. So where would you put yourself? Put a mark on that, on that uh, imaginary line, okay? It's to where you would be. So that's the, the first question I want to ask you. Here's the second. How are you organized? Uh, structured or flexible? Now let me give you a couple more examples to help you understand this one. Now let's say that Samantha was asked by JT here to teach uh, our students today in the, the group that will follow this service. And so uh, JT, being as responsible as he is, decided to call Samantha on Thursday to ask how she was doing and preparing the lesson on what the Bible teaches about money management. Well, Samantha says, well, uh, JT, um, I'm just gonna kind of wing it, you know, I'll show up and I just wanna interact with the students, find out what their questions are, get to know them a little bit, and I've, I've kind of taught some of this before, so I'll just sort of go with the flow. And JT is going, okay, let's see how that's gonna work out, you know? So that's JT and Samantha. On the other hand, Pastor Amy, who's in charge of our Sunday morning community, called Wayne the other day to find out how Wayne is doing in his prep for the, his lesson. And Wayne says, well, Pastor Amy, I finished my lesson about a week ago. I've written down every single word. It's all scripted out, everything that I'm gonna be saying. So you have unstructured Samantha, who likes options, and then you've got very structured Wayne, who likes organization. So how do you like to be organized? Again, it's a matter of preference. It's not that one is right, one is wrong. So which is yours? So on the right after the task people thing, you notice on your outline it says, uh, you know, people and uh, rather um, these two areas about organization, structured and unstructured and such. So put a mark on that imaginary line as to where you would be as well. And uh, I definitely lean toward the structure myself. Okay, now, because we're all different, there's the great potential for conflict with other people. Most of our problems tend to be people problems, and many of our people problems exist because we fail to recognize that God has made us differently. 
So the second question there on your outline is this one, how can we get along better with people? It's estimated that something like 80% of the people who fail in a job do so not necessarily because they lack the skill to do it, but because they can't get along with people. And so our question is this one, how can we get along better with people? Let me share with you uh, three factors by way of an answer. First of all, be aware of personality differences. Be aware of the differences. Now notice this verse on the screen. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So the more you understand how people act and react, the more patient you're gonna be with them. You see, God wants you to not only understand your personality, he wants you to understand the personalities of the people around you. So if you're not aware, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna misjudge their motives. You're gonna misunderstand their actions and you're gonna become very impatient with them and, and critical. So, I mean, this is true in, in marriage, you know. If you're married, perhaps you married your opposite. I think that shows that God has a sense of humor, frankly, you know. But if one of you is energized by people, maybe the other one is energized by tasks. If one of you is structured, the other is unstructured. Well, imagine, a married couple, they're planning a vacation trip. This summer, they're gonna to go to the East Coast, tour Boston, New York City, Washington, D.C., and uh, one of them is all about structure and organization. How far are we gonna go each day? Where are we gonna stop for the night? Um, how, where are we gonna eat? How far can we travel before we need to get more gas? Everything has to be worked out. The other person is saying, oh, come on. Let's just get in the car and go, you know? So there are all of these kinds of differences. By the way, um, Valerie and I fought like crazy our first year over stuff like that because we didn't understand one another. and We had to figure all of that kind of stuff out. Well, it's even important, and these differences are, when it comes to um, raising children. Here's an interesting passage from uh, the Old Testament book of Genesis. Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open fields, while Jacob was the kind of person who liked to stay at home. Isaac, now that's the dad, okay? Isaac loved Esau because of the wild game he brought home, but Rebekah, that's the mom, favored Jacob. Now, Esau and Jacob are twins, all right? But they were as opposite as night and day. Can you imagine what would have happened if Father Isaac decided to uh, turn Jacob, the guy who loves to stay at home, into a true Minnesotan, you know, who's all about ice fishing when it's minus 50, and all about hunting, and uh, all about hockey, those kinds of activities. And then he seeks to turn Esau into the guy who stays at home watching Judge Judy reruns on television, you know, and, and playing video games. Is that, was that gonna work? Well, of course not. Well, the point being, don't force your children into preconceived patterns. Look at this verse from uh, Proverbs. Train up a child in the way he should go. Now, what does that mean? Well, look at what it says in the Amplified Bible. 
train up a child in the way he should go, and in keeping with his individual gift or bent. Every child that, that God places in your arms, either because of birth or adoption, has a bent, a distinct personality. And wise is the parent who studies the personality of each child and trains the child accordingly. See, there are a couple of mistakes that dads at least tend to make. Now, I don't know, maybe moms make these too, but I've never been a mom, all right? One is we frequently use the identical approach in raising our kids. The other is we tend to make comparisons. Susie, why aren't you like your older sister? Well, a good answer would be because I'm Susie, you know, and Susie is very different. I mean, go back to your thinking when, say, you were a teenager and maybe thought your parents don't have a clue in terms of understanding what you're about. And then maybe they make comparisons. Why aren't you as athletic as your older sister? Why didn't you get an, an A in math like your older brother? All kinds of comparisons are being made. No, this is saying make a study of the child, train the child accordingly. So be aware of personality differences. Now, secondly, or B, the key to getting along with people involves accepting personality differences. Romans 15, 7. Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Just think for a moment with me of the 12 disciples that jo Jesus chose to be part of his, his dream team, okay? I mean, they were as different as night and day, too. Uh, on the other hand, on the one hand, you've got John. If you've ever seen the, the painting by Leonardo da Vinci, The Last Supper, John is the one next to Jesus. He's kind of, of uh, you know, meditative, and he's the thoughtful type of person. On the other hand, you've got Mr. Energy, the Apostle Peter, you know, big and rugged and foot and mouth at times, Mr. Impulsive, all of those things going for him. Nathaniel, who has an easy time believing, and then you've got Thomas, who has a hard time believing, so he's even called what? The doubter. You've got Simon the Zealot, who absolutely hates the Romans that occupy his country. And then you have, on the other hand, Matthew, a former tax collector employed by the Roman government. I mean, these guys would not have gotten along in any other social situation except under the authority, of course, of Jesus Christ. So God uses every type of personality, which means we need to be able to accept them. Look at this verse in Ephesians chapter 4. Be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You know, there's a verse that can save a marriage. Be humble, gentle, patient, making allowance, see? So instead of trying to change your spouse to be just like you, if God wanted your spouse to be like you, he would have made your spouse to be like you, but he, he prefers differences. So be aware of the differences, but also accept them. And then number three, or C, appreciate personality differences. It takes all kinds of personality types to have a balanced family and marriage, to have a balanced church, have a balanced society. So look at this verse in Romans chapter 12. Love each other with genuine affection, and notice this, 
Take delight in honoring each other. So if you're feeling today like nobody understands me, nobody accepts me, nobody appreciates me, Jesus does, and because we are his followers, we certainly want to be among those that are seeking to honor this verse, taking delight in honoring each other, including you. So be aware of, accept, appreciate personality differences. All right, here's our third question. What is the significance of this for our work and our service? I had lunch the other day with um, a friend who uh, has owned and managed a very large Christian-based counseling clinic on the north side of the Twin Cities, up near New Brighton area. And he was, so I know he's in his upper 60s, probably then thinking about retirement. So I asked him, you thinking about retirement? And he responded basically by saying he got very energized, very passionate, and he's telling me, Rich, I just love to get out of bed and go to work every day. I just love what I do. And it made me wonder, can you say that? Can you say that? What would it take for you to be able to respond to your vocational choice, for example, in that same way? Well, um, to help you, ask yourself a couple of questions. Here's the first. What does my personality indicate about the kind of job and area of service I should have? Now here, you're focusing on your strengths, okay? You will experience great joy, like this individual. You will experience effectiveness and um, you will be making a significant contribution to the cause of Christ if you are focused on areas of strength. So let me um, give you some examples here. If you're energized by people, last thing you wanna do is take a job being a librarian for the city library, you know, cataloging books. That's not a good uh, fit in terms of your personality. If you're energized by tasks, you probably are not going to be very happy in sales all day calling on customers. The person who's the librarian, people-focused, ought to switch jobs with the person who's task-oriented and in sales, okay? So um, as it relates then to the area of ministry, let's say you're a people person with the gift of evangelism, and you just love to interact with high school and college students, have all of their questions come out how they can't stand Christianity, how it's a bunch of phonies and hypocrites, and how they think the Bible is a bunch of legends, and, and you know all of these kinds of questions, just loves the interaction with students and is effective in drawing them toward Jesus Christ. Do you want that kind of person with that kind of passion and, and effectiveness coming into the church building and spending hours every week going to meetings and committees and organizing stuff? Of course not. That would not be a good fit. You want that person to be engaged in what he or she is, is effective at doing. And that's the way it is with all of our areas of ministry. So ask yourself, what does my personality indicate about the kind of job and ministry God wants me to have? So you're looking for an area of employment and service that reflects the strengths of your personality. All right, here's another question. 
What kind of personalities may God want to bring into my life in order to give me balance? You see, every year, every personality type has weaknesses or shadow sides. So I've come up with this. Um, if you look on the left side first, those energized by people may. I'm not saying these will be issues for you, I'm, but they're concerns to be aware of, all right? May become scattered, easily distracted, fail to follow through on decisions, ignore deadlines, procedures, don't see the impact of such behavior on tasks, fail to apply reason and logic to decisions. Now on the other side, those energized by tasks, now that's me. These are the things I've got to be concerned about in terms of potential weaknesses in my temperament, all right? Becoming rigid about schedules and procedures, that's very easy for me. Be critical and judgmental of others. There's the rich Schoner way and there's the wrong way. <laughs> Find it difficult to delegate. Yeah, why? Well, because my way of doing things is the right, right way. Don't see the impact on people and fail to respond to the needs of others for connection. Now, some of these weaknesses may represent sinful behavior. If you come to the point where you are beginning to misjudge motives, you're critical of people's actions, you are impatient with them, those are issues that you're gonna have to confess to God as being wrong or sin. So don't say, well, sorry, that's just the way I am. Jesus can change you, that's, he's the savior, right? And then be willing to interact with others who have strengths where you may have weaknesses. For example, if you're strong in organization, God may just wanna bring somebody into your life who's energized by last minute pressures. And you go, oh boy, yeah, right? But God may wanna do that because it's gonna grow you in your love for other people and your love for even Jesus Christ. So be willing to do that. Then another area, take some next steps to link your personality with your vocation and your ministry. How do you do that? Well, to help you, first of all, we've come out with another one of our uh, personal exercises that you are just loving, right? So, uh, <laughs> Here's another one on uh, individuality. You can get it in the same one of two ways that for the, has been true right along. You can either, if you prefer a hard copy, that's your personality type, you can pick it up out in the lobby today after the service ends, hard copy on individuality and go through the exercises. It's gonna help you to figure things out, okay? Or if you prefer, you can go to our website, menu bar at the top, Go to resources, drop down menu. First one is called design, the name of our series. Click on that, it'll take you right to the individual uh, exercise. Secondly, when it comes to figuring out appropriate vocational and ministry areas, you and I have got to acknowledge our dependence upon God's Holy Spirit. Please do not think this is all about exercises and tests and graphs and charts and all of that stuff. No, it isn't. You and I are totally dependent upon God leading us and guiding us through this whole journey. So with all of that in mind, I'm wondering today if you're willing 
to surrender yourself in this ongoing process and journey to the Lord. Now look at one more verse of scripture where Jesus says the following in Mark chapter 10. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Now what is Jesus saying in that part? He's saying that your significance in life does not depend on how much money you make, the size of your home, your investment portfolio, or any of those kinds of things. What does it depend upon? You having a servant heart. And Jesus says it just like me. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to do what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for you. So are you willing to surrender your life and process to Jesus who served you with his design? And so if you do, you're gonna know a level of joy and satisfaction and you will be contributing to the purposes of God and his mission. May God grant it to be so. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the differences among us. Thank you for the ways we complement one another as families. Thank you for the people lovers and the task completers. Thank you for the careful, precise organizers and those whose lives reflect spontaneity. Father, we ask you to help us to see ourselves as we are, the true self, the person you intended us to be by creation and then help us to live honestly, fearlessly, and joyfully, serving you and your people through this church and beyond, all for the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.